Inviting Peace by Emily Sue Allen. With a toddler running around and a bun in the oven, I knew finding a way to get some exercise, real exercise, was going to be a challenge. Sure, I chased that toddler around all day, and I had the exhaustion to prove it. But what I didn't have was any benefit of an elevated heart rate in the aerobic zone, properly strengthened or stretched muscles, or the stress release of any intentional exercise routine. I knew I needed it. So when Blockbuster, yes, this was a while ago, had a table full of discount fitness DVDs, I snapped one up that purported to be a gentle yoga program for expecting mothers. Gentle, expecting, checked the boxes for me. I put my curly-haired wonder down for a nap, surrounded by her stuffed animals. Once she drifted off to sleep, I thought I'd pop in that DVD and give this yoga thing a shot. I see a serene studio environment, three subjects on the screen, instructor and two pupils, each demonstrating a variation on the pose. Zero previous experience, zero understanding of the real benefits or the real point of yoga. I just knew it didn't look like a lot of jumping around and more than anything, seemed accessible. It seemed easy. My belly was 25 weeks round, big enough I couldn't easily get into any of the poses, and after five minutes of trying to do the easiest modified version, frustration boiled up and I quit. I sat on the couch, holding out hope that watching other people do yoga offered the same benefits as doing it myself. Maybe. Just maybe. Something about not being able to do even the most basic poses touched deep insecurities. I was ashamed of my inability to get it together, to intelligently move my body in healthy ways. That afternoon marked the last time the prenatal yoga DVD was ever played until I passed it off to someone else a couple years ago. Five years after my first private yoga failure, I walked into a group class at the YMCA. I was on a fitness kick, having fulfilled my fitness goal of walking or running at least 10 miles a week for a whole calendar year. We had joined the local YMCA, partly so I could check in my five kids and have a mental break and a place to pound out my miles on a nice indoor treadmill with a TV screen. I had walked by the yoga class at least a dozen times during other visits. Maybe a change of pace could be nice, I thought, and maybe now that I'm not 25 weeks pregnant, I might find yoga appealing, approachable, possible. I timidly walked through the doors to the studio, scanning the room for clues about how to get started. Shoes or no shoes? Everyone else left theirs at the door, so I slipped mine off too. Matt? Several others grabbed community mats from a hanging spot on the wall, so I found one for myself and laid it on an open spot. I nervously smiled at the women to my left and my right as the instructor started up the class. I tried matching her body positions and listening to her verbal cues. I could never quite hit the angles or positions, and by the time I was on my back for a pose I couldn't manage at all, gobs of tears were streaming down my face pooling uncomfortably in my ears. I gave up trying to match the instructor at all and let myself cry for the remainder of the class, my confidence shot. I promised myself that I'd just stick with treadmill walking from now on. Serious anxiety entered my life this past year. It had always been a reasonable, contained, underlying reality for me. I'm the cautious sort and managed to avoid many a disaster simply by refusing to engage anything outside my comfort zone. It's a great tactic for managing risk, but a terrible one for a thriving life. Still, it wasn't until this year that I saw anxiety in a new light, a gaping wound, raw and tender, dangerous and uncontainable. 
Much of my anxiety has been the result of health events in the past year and my chronic habit of ignoring my physical needs. It's not that I've never done anything to care for myself. I've tried lots of things. Every few years, I get on some kind of fitness kick, some renewed commitment to a particular way of eating. None of them have stuck because all relied on willpower to forge ahead in areas that haven't yet been healed. With a gaping wound, I tried to get up and get moving, run, go, do, make it happen. What I really needed was triage, wound dressing, rest, and a new vision for what it means to care for my body. I've held traumas in my body, stress in my body, and even my memories have a home in my muscles in a way I've never given much thought to. My body has done amazing things, pregnancy and birth of seven beautiful children. Even that has come with some side effects. And now the lack of strength and diminished function are specifically and seriously impacting my life in a negative way. I've had no peace this past year. Between a complicated pregnancy and postpartum season and my first all-out spar with mental health and well-being, I've been at the very end of myself, empty as empty can be, unable to bootstrap my way out of despair and into my comfortable pursuit of productivity. Peace has been absent because productivity is no longer on the table. I'm here wondering from day to day whether I will be able to function at all or if I'm going to use all the energy I've got for the humble tasks my family needs me for. A dear friend of mine has been going through the process of becoming a certified yoga instructor. I've seen her at a park playground, seated on a blanket in some sort of stretchy dancer-like pose, breathing deep while her kids play nearby. At our weekly homeschool co-op, I've caught glimpses of her taking a minute to sit during lunch, legs crisscrossed and eyes closed, to breathe and stretch her neck slowly in a few directions. I know she prioritizes movement, breathing, and living in connection to her body moment by moment. I've longed to know how to do that myself, but haven't been able to make the leap. Imagine my total surprise when, weeks later, she sends me a text and offers to come to my home and lead me through some of the basics part of her efforts as a new instructor to gain experience and also bless my socks off. I accept her offer with the caveat that body things uncork weird emotional things in me, but I'm glad to learn and try. Unfazed, she says she'll bring a mat for me since I don't have one, and she'll be here Monday. When she arrives, I'm in the middle of a several-day stretch of heightened anxiety. I nearly cancel with her because I don't want to be a stick-in-the-mud friend, but the truth is, I'm pretty desperate for any way out of the internal mess I'm in, even if it's yoga. She leads me through a half hour of gentle and very basic moves, giving tips about breathing, how to transition, how to start simple and extend a particular stretch. I don't cry at all until we're wrapping up, a definite improvement on my last experience. She offers to come again if I want to continue checking this out. I know I want to, but I'm not ready to say so just yet. Committing to more yoga seems like a big deal, considering my history. A few days go by and an anxious afternoon creeps up my neck. I feel myself starting to waffle under the weight of unseen things and know that if I don't do something, I will inch my way toward bedtime and another nighttime anxiety attack. My children are settling into beds and the twinkle lights strung around the room are the only lights on. I decide I just might need to send this anxiety away through a quarter hour of the basic yoga moves I learned from my friend. I don't have a mat, but I do have an open space of carpet. It's good enough for me. I uncomfortably sit crisscross and try to let my glutes and hamstrings stretch a while. I close my eyes and rest my hands on my knees. I breathe slow, deep breaths, and I count as I exhale. 
When I get to five, I tip my chin down and breathe, stretching the muscles in my neck and between my shoulders. When I get to five again, I turn my head to the side and stretch the opposite arm out, feeling the increased stretch in the side neck muscles and the top of my shoulder. When I get to five again, I switch. I carefully move to the tabletop position that sets me up for cat-cow, and I breathe. My five-year-old daughter, whose bed is right next to me, is watching intently. I don't want her to know how desperate I feel to outrun this anxiety. I ignore her and arch upward like a cow, then curl into cat pose. I don't know if I'm doing it right, but I'm breathing. I am defiantly rejecting the anxiety pawing at me, breathing in peace, breathing out stress. I repeat patterns of five because that makes sense to me at the moment. I do a few more poses my friend taught me, ending on my back with a full body checklist, releasing tension in every joint and muscle from head to toe. When I crawl into bed, the dark night surrounding me, my head on my pillow, I realize anxiety is not with me. I feel peace. I am ready to sleep until the baby wakes to nurse. And I think to myself, I need to do this again tomorrow night. The next morning, I hit up Amazon and look at yoga mats. I find one for $12.99 and put it in the cart with all the other last-minute Christmas items I've earmarked. I think this is how life change begins. A humble admission that I want to learn. A generous offer from a friend to meet me where I am. A few small steps to get started. Breathing. Stretching. Setting down the need to race my way to the next big goal. I'm starting this year with a new lens. Not what I hope to accomplish this year, although there will be some things. I choose to start this year inviting peace, inviting God to continue the work He has begun in me, continue the healing He has set in motion, continue the process of trading out my need to advance, impress, or achieve for the truth that I am right where I need to be, loved as I am, without needing to earn or prove my significance. This year I will breathe, I will stretch. I will honor my limitations. I will set my posture as one ready to learn versus one ready to crush goals. I will invite peace into my home and peace into my soul. I will trade chronic tiredness and bone-deep exhaustion for rest and restorative activities. I will nourish my body and my dearest relationships. I will invite peace into my depleted and discouraged places. I will open my hands and receive the gifts God brings in the stillness and silence, and I will do it on my new light gray yoga mat. Well, for the beginning of a new year and the beginning of a new series, we are starting to share the essays that usually go just on our blog in audio format here on the podcast feed. And today I have Lizzie Cornett with me to kick off um, that process as we do a little quick interview. We'll be doing this with writers once we share their piece. There's a quick interview that follows um, just so you can get to know the writers a little bit more. So, Lindsay, thanks for being here today. Yeah, my pleasure. It'll be fun to be the one asking the questions this time. Yes. Well, have at it. All right. First things first, what is one special, interesting, or quirky thing about your family? So our family is very quirky. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that we have um, just a lot of very different personalities here. And I would say one quirky thing about me is that I'm a fairly serious mom most of the time. I have 
to get down to business and make things happen and use my angry voice as one of my sons calls it. <laughs> uh, but he he has told me that he likes my angry voice, which I think <laughs> means it's not really angry. It's just authoritative. Yes. Um, but I, every now and then, just get a wind of silliness and I will sing opera style to give instructions. <laughs> and I just love the magical way their faces light up with Oh my gosh, mom is being silly right now because that's not something I do every single day. And um, so the other kids every now and then will get in a silly mode where they'll do similar things. It's not always singing opera style, but um, kind of becoming animated and just doing things a little bit out of the norm. So that's a quirky, funny thing. I love that. A funny story for our listeners is that when you and I kind of early on in our friendship and relationship, we've at this point, we've never met in person. We've just communicated mostly via Voxer and online. And you sang me happy birthday one time and your sort of operatic singing voice. And I had never heard you sing before Mm. at all. And it was so fun and delightful. So I can imagine that that is a really fun way to kind of get your kids attention and gather everyone around. It is pretty funny because very few of my current friends in life, my last 10 years of friendship making, really know that I have a pretty extensive music background. And I used to sing publicly all the time, all kinds of performances had. um, My whole college career was centered around music. I had a vocal performance major. So um, for my kids, it's, you know, just their weird mom. But for me, it's like a little hearkening back to my life before this. <laughs> so, yes, your prior life. Yes. Oh, that's really fun. All right. What is one thing you do or you don't do or use to make your life just a little bit easier as a mom? Well, one thing I don't do is I don't really deep clean my house, which is a little Mm. horrible to say. I mean, I think we're just always in survival mode trying to keep up with the most pressing things, which we never get to the things that could wait, you know, and um, I do... I do feel like I've tried to get maybe one corner of the house deep cleaned um, every so often, (laughs) but uh, I just don't stress about it. I can't. It's just something that, um, you know, we we do little bits at a time, but mostly we're just doing the everyday clutter, trying to clear the surfaces so we can use them again. (laughs) And um, so that's one thing I don't do. And one thing I use that I like to mention because I really use it multiple times every day is my Moleskine notebook. And I have tried Mm. using like planners that have special pages for different things. And I have a couple of those that I've liked all right. But really, my Moleskine notebook is what I use for everything from my grocery list to um, just thoughts I want to jot down for when I might be able to write um, in a longer stretch of time. And I am constantly adding to that Moleskine notebook. It helps me just feel like I have a sense of what I still need to get done for the day or if I'm looking ahead a day or two, what's coming up. So I use that with my iCal calendar right up next to me and kind of figure out what needs to happen. Cool. I'm also a Moleskine person. I, in fact, just got a brand new one for Christmas from my mom and dad because they know that I love those notebooks. So I'm with you on that one. Um, Are you a morning person or a night owl? And what is your routine for that particular time of day? So if we're talking about when I'm the nicest, (laughs) (laughs) I am a night owl, although I have been trying to change my night owl ways only because 
I have learned uh, through a lot of things I've gone through this year. First of all, I can't stay up as late as I used to and not have negative consequences the next day. But also, um, I learned that I was an introvert, which I did not know before about this last summer. I've always had a very like high social input desire to be connected with friends. So I kind of have seen myself as an extrovert, but uh, through conversations with my counselor, who's been helping me through the very difficult postpartum season this past year, um, she's like, you're an introvert straight up. She's like, and I think you stay up late into the night because you just really need that time of quiet for yourself and your space to think. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you're so right. Because a lot of times I'm not even really that productive at that time of night, but just really needing the quiet time to think and have my own thoughts and my own moments of the day. So what I've done is I have tried to figure out ways to build introvert time in earlier in the day, which um, is not as satisfying to me as the like three hours of late night absolute silence. But um, it is nice to just duck into my room for 20 minutes when the kids are, you know, picking up the house or working on their schoolwork or watching a cartoon. And um, even though it's, I still love the long stretches of nighttime. I, I've been finding my way with daytime introvert stuff. So my mornings now are a little bit more, um, I'm trying to focus on morning routines that really work for me. And I kind of just keep it simple. Uh, I don't really like to talk to anybody before nine o'clock in the morning. So um, anything that requires like instructions, I I delegate to my older kids and um, kind of just keep my morning as quiet as I can, just getting myself ready, the baby ready and um, have some tea, which is kind of a new thing for me as well. Yeah. It's so funny that you have only just discovered that you are an introvert, but I relate to, I do the same thing where I like to have a little time by myself downstairs at night. And my husband always kind of laughs at me where he says, I'm going to bed. And I say, okay, I'll be up in a minute, but it's like Uh, 30 minutes or an hour (laughs) later. He's like, what were you doing down there? And I'm like, nothing. I'm being by myself. I'm filling my time. Yes, that's Mm. true. Um, what is one topic you could talk about forever? So I joke about this because I have a podcast so I can talk about anything I want forever. (laughs) (laughs) But I think right now the thing that is most on my heart is that uh, God has done a lot of healing work in my life this year. It's been a really difficult year of working through postpartum stuff and health anxieties. And I don't even really know how to describe what it is that I've been through, but it's been hard. And yet I do see God's faithfulness through every single part of it, always supplying my family's needs, always bringing the next step that I need to take for my own healing and restoration. And I just am so convinced that God cares about the smallest things in our lives that are causing us a lot of grief. And so I could probably talk about that for a really long time, partly because it's been quite the saga. But I also am really convinced that God does love us, that the things that He says in His Word about His care and His promises and um, His timing, that He's not slow about His promises, um, those are all things that I've really been clinging to a lot this year. (laughs) And, And I'm just so grateful for the story that I have, even though it has been really difficult. Yeah. Well, I am grateful that you are willing to talk about it and share about it because I feel like you 
just have a story that so many women can relate to and identify with. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have this space, you know, where we can all share our stories, the good and the bad and the hard and the easy. Yeah. Um, because I think moms need that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lindsay. And I'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. <laughs>